You ready? Yeah. Let's do this. Oh my goodness. We um, just did a short little update for you, Um, so if you haven't listened to episode four, make sure to go back and figure out what we've been doing, where we've been. You want to catch up on all the lore, the the missed uh, plot twists, the cliffhangers we left you on, all sorts of like (laughs) fun things to go back and look at. Yeah, just make sure to go and check us out on Spotify. Yeah, no longer SoundCloud, it's all Spotify and... (laughs) Not quite iTunes yet, but it's getting approved and it will be there soon. We'll be on iTunes. As of right now, not yet. But, but we're on Spotify, there. which is really exciting. Yes. Oh my goodness. Well, Jenna, how have you been? I've been good. It's been a weird week. Um, this quarantine is kind of fucking with everyone's schedule, I think. it's. I am a person who's very stuck in my routine, and so this has been a little bit difficult, but I feel really lucky to be able to work from home. Oh yeah. How have you been, Morgan? you know that was probably a little alarming no I'm fine the quarantine is driving me crazy just because I'm kind of like an extrovert and I just want to like not be cooped up consider like and that sounds like a lie because like all I want to do is be at home but but you want your people with you yeah and they can't be here and I miss them and I just I'm terrified to get sick and it's just making me very anxious and I hate thinking about it which is why we're back because we want to provide you a little bit of leeway from the constant stress that is the world right now. A little bit of levity. Just a little bit. Just a smidge. Um let's see what our horoscopes look like. Let's get right back into it. So if anyone can figure out what mine is, um it says your heart is a fish out in every lake <laughs> and swamp. So apparently I'm just a swamp creature now. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Let me read it again. Your heart is a fish out in every lake and swamp. Is it What the fuck does that mean? Is that saying, like, don't feel special because your heart comes... It's like, your heart is bluegill. It's everywhere. I'm one of the fish that's in the sea, like... (laughs) But not just the sea. Lakes and swamps. Swamps only. (laughs) Those are very distinct, but you're a bottom feeder is what CoStar is telling you. They said, you ain't shit. Mm-mm. They said, no, ma'am. Did you notice that CoStar, as soon as the coronavirus hit, added a routine thing to it? I think I pointed this out in the last episode, but yeah. it's wild. But I've had power in routine. Um, I don't know how, because I haven't had a routine, but we'll see. It's working for you. What's yours, Morgan? Mine is, you can't pursue happiness, you have to make room for it. I don't... Relevant. <laughs> <laughs> Listen... <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess that is pretty relevant. It's making room for happiness is a lot is is pretty difficult if you don't come by that naturally. What's the chemical in your brain that produces happiness? Dopamine. Yeah. Serotonin. Yeah, both of those. Well, where, where you get those? <laughs> what deal? It what plug? <laughs> oh my goodness! I my give you one. <laughs> my little blurb is um. It's hard to mind your own business today. Try to be independent. <laughs> don't let your stubbornness stand in your way. Much needed advice, honestly. CoStar always is like the, I don't know, it's like what you wish a therapist would be like. They're not really understanding. They're like, hey, this is what's going on in your life. You need to fix it. Big sister. Yeah. It's a big sister. It's a big sister. Oh my goodness. I love 
my big sisters, because they give advice like this, they're going to listen to this thing. Like, you love me. And I'm like, I really no, reacted. I <laughs> um, but they, yeah, that's 100% an excellent, like, <laughs> explanation for it. Because it's either so loving and so gentle with you, or it's like, you stupid bitch, get, get your life together. together. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I co-star forgot we do this. Us. Yes, somebody get, somebody call their uncle at CoStar. Yeah, so <laughs> it's been a little bit um, since we have made an episode like this, but basically we are going to, Morgan is going to tell me a story today. Oh, um, I have no yeah. idea what she has planned, so I'm really excited. I am so excited, I think, and I don't mean to like hype this episode up before it started, but this is my favorite story that we've ever told on the show. Um, <laughs> Remains to be seen. I'm just You're going to love it. Okay, so today, Jenna, I am telling you the story of Olive Thomas and Jack Pickford. Do you know either of those names? Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> so, they are a 1920s it couple. Um, I love the name Olive. Me too. I want to name my daughter Olive. <laughs> not if I do first. <laughs> oh my god. Um, so we're gonna have to adopt a child together, name it Olive, and then have our separate children. That won't give Olive a complex at all. No, no, no. <laughs> She'll live up to her name. Let me tell you some facts, because obviously I have to tell you there's astrology signs. Mm-hmm. Olive, born Olivia Duffy, was born on October 20th, 1894. You can't only do stories about Libras, Morgan. I can do whatever <laughs> I want. <laughs> she is, she has my exact birthday, Jenna. My exact one. Okay. I'm so excited. She's a, she's a Libra Scorpio cusp, and I'm so proud of her. Jack Pickford was born on August 18th, so he's a Leo. A Leo and a Libra. I'm doing a Leo-Libra pairing story, and I'm thrilled. <laughs> For those of you who don't understand why I'm grilling Jenna so hard, it's because those are our exact signs. We're a Leo and a Libra, so we're soulmates. These people are clearly soulmates. Leos and Libras are my favorite pairing. I know I said that about Aries and Libras. It changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's begin. So I'm going to give you some background on Olive and Jack before we start the official story, just because there's a lot to cover here. Let's do this. All right. So our baby Jackie, he was the youngest of three kids, Um, Mary, formerly Gladys, Lottie, and baby Jack. They were originally known as the Smith family. Their father abandoned them as children, and in a desperate attempt to keep uh, their family alive, uh, their mom sent the boy and his two sisters to go perform for everyone so they became actors okay child actors sent to go perform and earn money they're gonna turn out perfectly fine it's not gonna go wrong at all (laughs) so they they were really talented they were pulling so many gigs that eventually the whole family got to relocate to new york city so they weren't they weren't hurting anymore they said bye dad and they carried on with their lives um the kids started working plays across the entire country but his sister mary was the one who was essentially the most successful Um, Jack definitely held his own, but Mary was the one who got, like, big Hollywood contracts. But, to Mary's, like, she's such a great sister, she was like, I'm not signing this contract unless you sign my siblings, too. So she got all of her siblings' contracts with big Hollywood, like, execs, and took care of all of them. Um, they (laughs) they had to change their name. Uh, Mary, formerly Gladys, has a thing for name changes, so they went from the Smiths to the Pickfords. Okay. So, very fancy, very bougie already, setting the tone for the drama of a Leo. <laughs> um, so, uh, Jack is said to be one of the Hollywood greats. Unfortunately, he would just never reach his full potential. He 
constantly was just like, I'd rather do drugs and drink and not do my job. I'm like this really talented actor. Things just come naturally to me. Um, that's just how he is. <laughs> he recognized real, recognized real. But the thing is, he was like this big mess, but America was like, no, he's like our sweetheart. He's, do you remember? He's Charlie Sheen. I'm, <laughs> that's actually perfect. I was going to say Justin Bieber. <laughs> All right, Charlie Sheen. <laughs> the world, the entire world, saw Jack and his sister Mary as America's sweethearts. They were picture perfect Americans with good morals and great character, but on the inside, Jack was, he was a good guy. He was just the he was your guy of the nineteen. He was 19s. Jake Aspie. Yeah, pretty much, with a little bit more of a slimy womanizer reputation. He, eh. um, so. Hollywood execs were so good at, like, covering up the wild stuff that their contracts were up to, but Jack's reputation preceded him within the Hollywood community. So imagine all of these Hollywood greats looking at you and being like, you need to calm down. Please stop doing drugs. That's like Clark Gable telling you to, like, get your life back together. <laughs> That's a callback to the first episode. This is why you gotta go watch the other episode. Find us on Spotify. Oh, a side note for Jack, he was almost dishonorably discharged from the Navy for helping people dodge the service by taking bribes, which is lame, <laughs> but he was helping women get hired on as, like, officers. So he was, he, ally? He's a feminist? He, maybe. I don't know. He just, he really loved women. That was his problem. <laughs> he was like, I don't really care about the rights, but I don't want you on it. <laughs> so, he leaves the Navy, he goes back to making films, whatever. Um... You know Olive Thomas. There's no way that you don't. The name might not sound familiar, but you know who she is. I don't know anything. <laughs> don't ever accuse me of knowing anything. Head empty, no thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> but I promise you've seen her. She is one of those, like... I have, like, trays around the apartment with pictures of girls like this. These, like, old-timey pictures of girls just, like, done up with big hair that look like it's impossible that it could be shaped like that. Mm -hmm. But she's one of those. She is, uh... She is a fully fulfilled Libra, because her reputation now, she's been dead for many moons, um, she is noted as, as the most... So many moons. Yes, I'm sorry. The most beautiful ghost in New York City. Tell me that's not my exact energy. <laughs> that's your dream. That is, you know the guy on TikTok? What's his name? Uh, ghost Honey. Yeah, Ghost Honey. The other that's Libra. Dream. <laughs> my note in this is literally, that is fully my entire dream. <laughs> um... So, let's not get ahead of ourselves, because she's not dead yet in the story. Um, Olive's Why first... Why did you spoil it? I mean, everyone dies, Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> Just a complete blank stare. I didn't know that before tonight. <laughs> Breaking news here on Lonely Hearts. So, Olive's first marriage was when she was 15 years old, to a man named Bernard Krug Thomas. They separated, and Olive made her way to the Great White Way, and was granted divorce because she said that the relationship was abusive and he had abandoned her. Later on, after her death, he would go on to interview and say, no, it was just her unfathomable, like, you could not kill this girl's ambition. She knew she was destined for something bigger than what she had, and she was like, I'm gonna go for it, and I love you, you can come with me, or you cannot, like, it's up to you, brother. <laughs> so he said no, and they got a divorce. So... She, she, yeah, my note is, if he does not fit your dreams, let him go. <laughs> Olive, our angel, was a Ziegfeld girl. She was a model and a silent film star. She literally won an award for being the most beautiful girl in New York City. 
Imagine that pressure. Imagine that award. <laughs> Jenna's like, I can imagine that pressure. <laughs> I will take the pressure. She is a firecracker. She stars in all of the risque burlesque shows in New York. Her nudes are all over the internet, and I promise you that's exactly what she would have wanted. <laughs> um, spread that far and wide. She said, let them know I look great. She, um, so Florence Ziegfeld Jr. was in charge of the Ziegfeld Theater by the time that she was rolling around. This is all very boring old Hollywood stuff that only I find interesting. But um, she claims that she walked right up to him and said, hire me. And he said, okay. He later, after her death, came out and said, no, she got a letter of recommendation from, like, a bunch of photographers. He's like, I loved her so much, I was going to let her, like, live that illusion. <laughs> Imagine being that enchanting that everyone is just, like, live whatever your fantasy. You want. Yeah, of course, you're so beautiful, whatever. She was amazing. Um, she also, <laughs> uh, she says she demanded to be hired. In reality, she got the letter of recommendation. Um, I, if I were her friend, I would just enable her, so it's probably good we don't exist in the same world. Um, she had an affair with Ziegfeld. Um, he was married at the time, and when he wouldn't leave his wife, she was like, then fine, you don't get me. And I don't think they ever got over each other. Like, I don't, he had a picture of her hung up in his office forever. I think, I'm pretty sure it's still there, I don't know. But it was, like, this big, beautiful, like, portrait that was, like, her most famous famous portrait. And it's a nude, of course. Of course. That was her favorite and image. his wife was like, this is fine. <laughs> I don't think his wife had much of a choice. That's <laughs> when, true. It was the 20s. Yes. Uh, but when she's the most beautiful girl on the planet, like, what do you say? <laughs> sorry, honey, you can't, you have this timeless goddess that loved you for a time. I'm sorry, you can't have this picture of her in your yeah, office. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just so in love with Olive that I'd be like, fine, it's okay, <laughs> keep it I up. I understand. <laughs> I have a, um, a little quote from a screenwriter, Frances Marlin, to show you kind of what the relationship was like before I tell you the full story. It's short, it's sweet, we got this. So, Marlin remarked, I had seen her often at the Pickford home, for she was engaged to Mary's brother Jack. Two innocent-looking children. They were the gayest, wildest brats who ever stirred the stardust on Broadway. Both were talented, but they were much more interested in playing the roulette of life than in concentrating on their careers. I really love that energy. Me too. They're just here to destroy and set things on fire. Just break each other and rebuild each other. And that's Leos and Libras! Okay, let's go. <laughs> let's start this story. On a beach in Santa Monica, our lovebirds meet. They were the only ones in the world who could match each other's energy. I promise you, a Leo and a Libra pairing uh, would make a double Aries pairing just want to go to sleep immediately, because these two were nuts, always at each other's throat, either making out or arguing. It was great. Um, they fell in love instantly. It's said that Olive was the absolute love of Jack Pickford's life, except in that funny old Hollywood way where he doesn't realize it uh, until he's had an affair with everyone in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless, on October 25th in 1916, Jack and Olive eloped, which was pretty close to when they met. <laughs> um, none of their family was present at the wedding because Jack's family could not stand her. Um, she is 22 and he is 20 at the time. They thought because she was in musical comedies that she was not good enough for Precious Jackie. <laughs> Um, I have a quote from his sister Mary Pickford from her autobiography *Sunshine and Rainbows* about how he felt, or about how she felt about Olive. 
I regret to say that none of us approved of the marriage at that time. Mother thought Jack was too young, and Lottie and I felt that Olive, being in musical comedy, belonged to an alien world. Ollie had all the rich, eligible men of the social world at her feet. She had been deluged with, pro with proposals from her own world of theater as well, which was not at all surprising. The beauty of Olive Thomas is legendary. The girl had the loveliest violet-blue eyes I had ever seen. They were fringed with long, dark eyelashes that seemed darker because of the delicate, translucent pallor, pallor of her skin. I could understand why Florence Zegfield never forgave Jack for taking her away from the Follies. She and Jack were madly in love with one another, but I always thought of them as a couple of children playing together. Aww. I love them. <laughs> They're babies. They so, just want to have fun. They do. And, and they just understand each other and they vibed. But you, ha you have to remember what it was like to have that, like, all-encompassing, we cannot, like, be apart from each other, but we're so bad for each other kind of love. I don't think I've ever had that. Oh, my God. You should try. It's I terrible. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, the worst. It'll destroy you. It's like jumping out of an airplane without a parachute. Mm, that sounds fun, too, though. No. <laughs> That's suicide. Oh, right. <laughs> so, like I said, they got married when Olive was 22 and Jack was 20. Reminder, that is how old you and I both are currently. Could you imagine getting married right now? Could you imagine marrying a 20-year-old right now? Can I tell you that the person that I'm involved with currently is 20 years old? So this he's a me. Leo. Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they were absolutely nuts about each other. And because they were children who got married, the marriage was obviously very turbulent. I'm going to say this. This is my official stance. Jenna, you can agree or disagree. Don't get married in your early 20s. Please. I'm begging. I'm gonna hold my tongue. It remains to be seen whether or not... I mean, my mom got married when she was really young. Fair. So, that worked out for her. I think... I think anomalies work out. Some people are more emotionally mature when they're younger. I mean, it depends on what you've gone through. If you've never gone through shit and you get married straight out of high school, that's a, you're going to have to grow up a lot together. You know you've what? You've got to commit to that. That's fair. That's the tw that's the marriage I'm talking about. If you can make it work, I believe in you, but I'm if you're 22 and you're coming to me and you're asking if you should get married, I'm going to say no. <laughs> Regardless, these two would not have listened to me. So, um they would fight all the time. All the time they were fighting. Um, they were also constantly traveling and working, and they were, like, top of Hollywood. But the way that they always made up with each other, <laughs> very Leo and Libra, they would buy each other expensive gifts and do very <laughs> extravagant apologies, so it would be a huge deal in front of everyone that they were making up. That's why their, like, love was so, like, renowned without Hollywood, because everybody <laughs> was a part of it. Everyone needed their attention. <sighs> I love them. <laughs> So they always came back to each other. They were always each other's first choice, um, except for all of Jack's mistresses. But it's fine. They loved each other. And I, I hold out this idea because it's always said that Olive was the love of Jack's life. I don't think Jack was the love of Olive's life. Who do you think was the love of Olive's life? Olive. That's fair. I, Zegfield is a fun idea, but the more I think about it, she was always thinking about number one. Yeah. She was always trying to figure out how to make her life better. He was a great part of it, but I think Olive was just always focused on Olive. Yeah. That makes sense. I think that you, in these stories, you separate a lot from 
the distance in time makes mm-hmm. it easier to separate because you always are like, he loved her, but he cheated. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. No, it's because I desperately want to believe that these people were in love. I do not at all support cheating. God, no. I have to, so my role in this show is so difficult because I constantly have to make a case for these, like, love stories, but it's, the guy is always cheating. They always Always. <laughs> Mark Antony, cheater. Clark Gable, cheater. Pete Davidson is an angel from this He's time period. never once. <laughs> he would have never, not on Ariana Grande. He would have at least told us in his comedy special. Exactly. <laughs> but, let's get back to our Leobras. Um, so... <laughs> They would make a huge deal every time they made up. So, in 1920, another big fight happens, and their marriage is, like, truly on the rocks now. So they decide, we're going to go to Paris, we're going to have a second honeymoon, we're going to rekindle this fire because you are my first choice and I love you always. It's a beautiful night in Paris. It is September 5th. Um, they spend the entire... It's a beautiful time to be in of Paris. Course. It's lovely. <laughs> it's lovely in the fall. <laughs> They have the most magical evening partying in Paris. They get so wasted. They spend the entire night partying with their friends. They just have this beautiful time. And then, like every everyone, including us, we return to our suite at the Ritz, and we get ready for bed. Jack falls into bed, and he goes to sleep. Olive drunkenly goes to take her medication for the night. In her haze, Olive takes Jack's syphilis medication and threw back a bottle of what she thought was water. I'm going to read you Jack's account of what happened that night. Oh, no. Um, We arrived back at the Ritz at about about 3 o'clock in the morning. I had already booked airplane seats for London. We were going Sunday morning. Both of us were tired out. We both had been drinking a little. I insisted that we had better not pack then, but rather get up early before our trip and do it then. I went to bed immediately. She fussed around and wrote a note to her mother, and she was in the bathroom. Suddenly she shrieked, my God. I jumped out of bed, rushed towards her, and caught her in my arms. She cried to me to find out what was in the bottle. I picked it up and read poison. It was a toilet solution, and the label was in French. I realized what she had done and sent for the doctor. Meanwhile, I had forced her to drink water in order to make her vomit. She screamed, oh God, I'm poisoned. I forced the whites of eggs down her throat, hoping to offset the poison. The doctor came. He pumped her stomach three times while I held her. Nine o'clock in the morning, I got her to the French word hospital with a word doctors. Sure, (laughs) where doctors Chouat and Wharton (laughs) took charge of her. They told me she had swallowed bichloride of mercury in an alcoholic solution, which is ten times worse than tablets. She didn't want to die. She took the poison by mistake. We both loved each other since the day we were married. The fact that we were separated months at a time made no difference in our affection for each other. She, was, uh, she even was conscious enough the day before she died to ask the nurse to come to America with her until she had fully recovered, having no thought she would die. She kept continually calling for me. I was, bas- I, blah, blah. I was beside her day and night until her death. The physicians held out hope for her until the last moment until they found her kidneys paralyzed. Then they lost hope. But the doctors told me she had fought harder than any patient they ever had. She had held on to her life as only one case in 50. She seemed stronger the last two days. She was conscious, and she said she would get better and go home to her mother. It was all a mistake, darling Jack, she said, but I knew she was dying. She was kept alive only by hypodermic injections during the last 12 hours. I was the last one she recognized. I watched her eyes glazed and realized she was dying. 
I asked her how she was feeling, and she answered, pretty weak, but I'll be all right in a little while. Don't worry, darling. Those were her last words. I held her in my arms, and she died an hour later. How old was she? She was 25. Tragic. Awful. Tragic. I can't imagine holding the person I love and them just her last words are haunting (laughs) Uh, we say haunting a lot that's truly (laughs) haunting haunting. oh my goodness so long story I don't have anything to say about that that's just sad as hell it's really sad and what an awful awful way to go and there were a lot of rumors that uh, Jack killed her or that she killed herself because she there were rumors that Jack had given her syphilis there were rumors that she had found out a bunch of affairs like just the tabloids were crucifying him. He had gone from America's poster child to this awful, awful man. Yeah. And it's kind of in a weird, like, men were never punished for the way they treated women at this time period. And suddenly Jack is being, like, chastised for it. And, like, great, excellent, but he did not kill his wife. (laughs) Um, An absolute tragedy. Um, It doesn't... It's just like Carol Baskin being... (laughs) (laughs) We'll never find his body. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Carol Baskin, evil genius. Um, I can't imagine how horrible that, like, realization that you just drank poison. Like... I don't think that my brain would ever, like, click. And, like, it was all... She just didn't read French. Like, that's it. It was just a horrible, horrible mistake. Why would they have poison in the bathroom like that? They're like... A different time, man. <laughs> it was before they were like, ah, yes, dumb Hollywood starlets will come in here and drink this. No. <laughs> um, back to it. He had to take her body home from Paris, and uh, on a really devastating note, uh, or not devastating, actually, has a sort of happy outcome, he was talked out of suicide on the way home. And another quote from Mary uh, Jack crossed the ocean with Ollie's body. It wasn't until several years later that he confessed to Mother how one night during the voyage back, he put on his trousers and jacket over his pajamas, went up on the deck, and was climbing over the rail when something inside of him said, You can't do this to your mothers and sisters. It would be a cowardly act. You must live and face the future. He went on to marry again, but sim- similar to Clark Gable, our Jack fell victim to drinking and drugs even harder due to being the only one who was ever close enough to truly love the most beautiful woman in New York. I mean, I can't imagine the PTSD of, like, watching your spouse die, mm-hmm. holding them in your arms with this horrible accident. Or I mean, how do you ever forget that? And forgive yourself for all of the stuff that you did to that person. He knew she was dying when she didn't know, mm-hmm. which... <laughs> so, what a love story. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> I It's my favorite. I It's tragic, and it's very old Hollywood, and it's very bizarre, and there I it's got tons of paranormal aspects it's to it. It's got poison. <laughs> poison, French stuff, the Ritz. It's all great. What a tragic ending to a beautiful love story. Yeah. But, kind of leads us into our next topic. Which is forbidden love. Yes. So we want to talk about all of the, all of the like red gray areas in love. You mm-hmm. know where who are people that you can't date? Why can't you date them? What makes people want to date those kind of people? Oh yes, and would those relationships work? Why? Yeah. What is the thing that keep? What it makes it forbidden? 
If you're thinking we're talking about some 26-year-old man trying to date a high schooler, no, he should be in jail. Er, pedophile. <laughs> so, moving on. That's our stance <laughs> That's on pedophiles. We don't like them. We're not even entertaining that. Okay, so, Jenna, have you ever had a forbidden love story? I have. Do you care to share? Um, so, I know we kind of talked about dating co-workers a little bit, so that's kind of forbidden, right? People mm-hmm. have a lot of opinions on that, whether you should or should not date a co-worker. So what's your opinion, Morgan? Don't date your co-workers. Why? Um, <laughs> I got into a relationship with a co-worker, and I, you know, it was so much fun. I really liked that person. They, things, unfortunately, just didn't work out, and ultimately it just led to me not ever wanting to go to work, not ever wanting to be there, not wanting to see that person because I couldn't get away from him, I couldn't get over him because we just had to be around each other all the time. Mm -hmm. And I get the appeal of a a workplace relationship. It's so much fun. It feels like like high school a little bit again. Yeah. You get to see this person every day. You know, like everyone you know knows them. mm -hmm. I think um, I have this statistic that says that, let me find it. There's this, like, did you find it? Yeah, 22% of people meet their romantic partner at work because if you think about it, like, you spend 40 hours a week there if you're full-time. That is more time than you spend at home. That's more time than you spend with any of your friends. It's the easiest place to meet someone. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, like, there's, you feel, like, when you're talking to a coworker, you develop such a, like, you're with them all the time. Comrades. You, yeah, you're comrades. <laughs> and if you're lucky enough to, like, truly befriend a coworker, like, you really know that person and you're spending all your time with them and it's so easy to slip into that, could we be meant to be? You know what? I met my soulmate at work. <gasps> me? Yeah. <laughs> I was about to ask who. <laughs> um, unless you're me and Jenna, you can't date your coworkers. That's Don't my ruling. <laughs> um, I've dated three coworkers. <laughs> So it took me three times to learn that lesson. Including me? Not including okay. you. You're number okay. four. Lucky number four. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it took me a really long time to uh, truly listen to anyone's advice and take it. And it, I, I actually didn't. It just came from myself and <laughs> my experiences. Devil's advocate, I have seen coworker relationships just thrive. And if you can make that work like a youthful marriage, more power to you. You're the anomaly. Congratulations. <laughs> How does it feel to be so good at everything? I had um, a boyfriend once where we worked together. We had most of our classes together, and we spent all of our free time together. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I I mean, it was the kind of love where we, like, never got sick of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't why we broke up or anything like that, but it was really terrible after we did break up. Yeah, that person is your routine. <laughs> we were at work with them, and <laughs> that was horrible. I had to get away, so I did, and then I went to go work... I've worked with four exes. Oh, no. <laughs> so then I went to go oh, work man. at the compound, and <laughs> one of my exes was there. That must have just been, like, a fever dream nightmare, walking in there sometimes. It was. I had no idea that he was going to work there, um, and that was really uncomfortable. And then I dated two people at that job, and neither of those worked out well, and I wish I hadn't done it, so. That's fair. I think that you learn a lot from coworker relationships and there's, it's like a, you learn a lot about responsibility and maturity because it's like, if it works out, those are two very mature people heading the same direction. If it doesn't work out, you can take the lessons you've learned from that relationship and like figure out what you actually need from a partner. But my 
verdict on co-worker relationships is just spare yourself the pain, dude. It sucks. Just don't do it. And nobody wants to believe that their relationship isn't going to work out. Like, when you first start dating someone, you're like, no, it'll be fine. We're not going to break up. Um, <laughs> I hope you don't. I, I hope really you don't hope either. You don't. <laughs> I mean, there's no way we can tell you not to do it. But I hope it works out. We'll, we'll be here if it doesn't. We'll support you. <laughs> My favorite... Uh, forbidden relationship, um, the one that has struck me the most in my life, is dating friends. <laughs> I, um, I'm not saying I've dated all of my friends, obviously, that's not true, but I've dated enough to be like, homegirl, stop. <laughs> so what, what's the part that makes you not want to do it again? What was the kind of deciding factor in that being a bad idea? So, even saying, like, homegirl stop there's still a part of me that's like obviously the appeal of the relationship in a friend way is like that person already knows me we get along we love each other already and we can just keep building upon this the thing that makes me not want to do it and I think it's the thing that keeps everybody in like fear in a relationship or like it's just the fear of it failing Mm -hmm. it's like I if not only if this relationship fails do I lose a relationship, I could potentially lose that friend too. And I've gone through enough of, like, friendship losses through breakups that it's, like, that's... To me, the friendship breakup is more devastating than, like, the love breakup. Yeah. Because, oh. <laughs> I think what's interesting is that as you get older and you have more of these experiences, you become more discerning with who you date. So maybe mm-hmm. I don't think that we should draw the hard lines and, like, don't date a friend, don't date a coworker, mm-hmm. But just be more discerning. Like, take your time before you start dating. Make sure that it's really what you want. Make sure you know yourself well enough to know oh, that yeah. you'll be okay in those situations. Of I mean, course. you just... It takes experience, I guess, and... It takes the the will to go blindly into something that could go any way. <laughs> yeah. But it's weird. It's a delicate balance because you do have to be smart. Like, you have to kind of... You, you have to know yourself. You have to... I don't know. You have to be willing to take on another person in your life and, like, also navigate your own life at the same time. And it's just this constant battle of trying to seek that balance within each other and... It's wonderful. It's the most magical feeling ever when it's, like, working. And, I mean, obviously, don't listen to my hard lines about things. <laughs> I mean, think about it. When you were younger, did you just date anybody who wanted to date you? Anybody who paid attention to me. Exactly. Ugh. And it took a long time to grow out of it, right? I'm not the only one. <laughs> I, grow out of it? Yeah, I've grown out of it. <laughs> but, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I mean. Like, just... Make sure it's, you know, something you really want to pursue if it's one of these, like, risky relationships. Make yeah. sure it's, you know, you gotta be, you gotta be thoughtful about it. You can't just dive in like you would maybe if you met someone on Tinder. I'm gonna play the devil's advocate. It is so exciting to go into risky, like, relationships. Oh, it is so exciting. Like, like, dating a friend. You're like, I don't know how this is gonna go, but... But we got- love each other so yeah. much. And it feels good, and you're excited, and it's two people who are just so psyched. And, like, that feeling at the beginning of a relationship where you're like, nothing could go wrong. Mm-hmm. That, ooh, magic. 
I'm such a rule follower, though, that, like, things, like, dating a co-worker, that always gave me anxiety, that <laughs> I never was, like, super excited about it. I was like, this is something, like, this is, we're breaking rules, I don't like it. There are rules. I have so much Virgo in my chart. Oh my goodness. I love breaking rules. I, because I won't do it. Like, just naturally, like, I'll just try and, like, blend in on the background. But if there is a situation where I can make, like, a movie magic thing happen, I I won't be able to ignore it. I love forbidden love. I love when it's painful. <laughs> and that's terrible. Absolutely awful. Number one reason why you should not listen to me. But. Don't listen to me either. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Honestly, don't listen to us. Let's just get into how We're exciting forbidden just- love is. <laughs> Let's completely discredit us, make no one want to hear what we're saying. But I think, and again, I'm going to bring up Twilight again, Bella Swan is completely to blame for me. Yes. New Moon ruined my brain and made me think that every relationship was worth saving. The window scene. (laughs) The seasons changing. What is that song's title? I hear that in my head probably, like, every time I go through depressive episodes. Do Thank you, you, Bella Swan. Even when you're doing fine, do you just kind of stare out the window sometimes, like, ugh, what if I wasn't doing fine? <laughs> what if I was a vampire? Oh my goodness. I'm just kidding. Have you, do you have, like, a, a love story that's just, like, it didn't work out, it didn't happen, but it was the most dramatic, like, sweet, like, thing ever? Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I'm <laughs> trying to think about it, and, uh... Yes. Oh my goodness. I'm not ready to talk about okay, that. Okay, fair. And that's not something I want to talk about. Okay, word. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just... I, we'll edit that part out. I think that movie... I don't know. It's like we talked about earlier today. You guys weren't a part of that conversation, mm-hmm. so I'm sorry. But when you kind of grow up a little bit, like, your view on love changes. After you go through heartbreak, you stop craving that, like, cinematic heartbreakingly whirlwind I don't know neck breaking fast <laughs> relationship like it's Who just not you? <laughs> you know this it's just not like it's not what you idealize as love anymore yeah and there is that great heartbreak that happens to you that kind of just like and it's very dramatic but it shatters your like perception of like of your Edward and Bella's of like <laughs> This our love is unchanging. Like no other person could actually fit right for me. We were made for each other. In reality, it might feel like that, and that's wonderful. And like if that is how you both feel, keep acting on that feeling. But when that person leaves, having to forget that you like said this person was your other half, said they were like you part told of your soul. everybody that. <laughs> you planned your wedding. You planned your life together. You <laughs> named your children. It's like. They be, that vision that you have for the future becomes so real to you and so tangible that the second that it's gone, that's devastating. That's called future tripping. Avoid that anytime <laughs> you get into a new relationship. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, I don't know, I think that there's, like, beauty and simplicity and realistic standards and having boundaries and respecting yourself and I go into this every episode but I'm like boundaries that's what I love that's my love language boundaries my (laughs) is planting a firm like line in the sand don't cross it I love you (laughs) see that's healthy listen to Jenna (laughs) seven years of therapy Mm. (laughs) 
I'm trying to think of more, uh, like, examples of forbidden love. Oh, I've got some, I've got a list. Oh my goodness. Lay them on me. Don't even trip. I'm not tripping. Not future tripping. Dating brothers, sisters, friends. I, my sisters are ten years and seven years older than me. Don't do that. Yeah. (laughs) Pedophiles. We said we don't like them. (laughs) I have crushes on every single one of my brother's friends, but none of them ever wanted to date me because I was the little sister. Of course. I can't relate to that at all. How did, like, what is the appeal of dating your brother's friends? They're just so, like, they're around all the time. <laughs> Their brother is, like, if you have an older brother, he's the coolest person on the planet, and his friends are so cool. Like, all, my brother was a skater boy, so all of his friends were skater boys, and when I was, like, 12 and 13 years old, that was, like, oh. <laughs> oh my god, little Jenna with a skater boy. I know, that's what I wanted more than anything, and you know what? Since I've grown up, I've dated a skater boy. Not worth it. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just because he was a skater. (laughs) Oh, Um, my goodness. uh, What else do you have on your list? Dating your cousin. (laughs) Um, I'm going to go ahead and say don't. Hard Um, no. (laughs) Hard no. (laughs) We're going to do an episode on Eleanor Roosevelt later. Um, I, oh. (laughs) When you were so unfortunate looking that your only option is your cousin. But at least he was the president. At least. At least. I mean, she bagged a baddie. If you have to date your cousin, make sure he's going to be the president. <laughs> That's the firm line I'm drawing. Um, age gaps. I don't know. That was what we kind of talked about earlier. It's like the only time I think that counts as forbidden love is if some creep is trying to date a high school girl. I think age gaps are fine so long as both parties have been well within the age of consent for a while. Yeah. Like, if she's fresh 18, no. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. No, she's still a baby. I don't care what you say. We're all babies until we're 25. <laughs> and I just, I don't know about that. Like, I know the emotional maturity kind of happens at different ages for, like, men and women, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Why not wait until she gets a little bit older? <laughs> Please? I'm begging. And, like, here's the thing. With a person that young they're always going to want to, like, go for the relationship because they're still impressionable. They're still forming their opinions, their thoughts. Anybody that young is not ready to be in a relationship with a full-grown adult. But a full-grown adult, totally ready to be in a relationship with a full-grown adult. Yeah. And if... I just... I don't get it. If they're... Like, if there's ever any young girl listening to this and you're in high school and you think it's, like, really cute that some older guy is hitting on you, please... For the love of God, understand that there is something wrong with that person. Mm-hmm. Like, there is no reason that they should be wanting to date a high schooler. Absolutely not. Just, that's like, no. I'm, even, I'm very passionate about this. Don't date high schoolers. Even seniors dating freshmen creeps me out. <laughs> I said it. <laughs> I said it. I'm on my soapbox. I guess <laughs> this turned into us just begging teenage girls not to grow up too fast. <laughs> I'm just, I don't know. That's part of forbidden love, though, because I remember being a young girl, and an older guy was very into me, and I swore up and down that he was the one. I was in love with him. He was everything that I could ever imagine. He turned out to be a sack of garbage, and everyone warned me, but the more that I got warned, the more that I wanted to be with that person. Yeah. And it's completely self-destructive behavior. That's on mental illness, baby. (laughs) But that's just how my brain operated. High schoolers should just date other high schoolers. (laughs) That's it. Um, that's all I have to say about that. That was a pretty, um, I hope that's not a hot take. <laughs> yeah, hot no. take, I don't know. Don't date children. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think 
there's something so intriguing about forbidden love in all aspects, not just the specific ones that we, not like, mentioned. Twilight. Not just Twilight. I mean, mostly Twilight, but not <laughs> just Twilight. But I think, I mean, I'd love to hear instances of, like, it working. I'm positive that there are. There are. I had, I know, like, we just talked about this. I, I have a friend who dated someone older in high school. Mm-hmm. They didn't start dating until she was 17 years old. She was... She was always, like, an old soul, I guess you could say, and they're right. married now. And so, like, there was a big age gap there, right. and I don't know, I could have stood on my soapbox about it in high <laughs> school, but it worked out, I guess. Right. Um, like I said, there's anomalies to every rule. It's, yeah. there's, I guess, I don't, I don't know where I stand on it, because I've never seen it, like, work so yeah. I guess like if you guys have seen it work and you have beautiful forbidden love stories to share please send them yeah. our way we'll... I mean and you hear about people like dating their boss and it working out and that, our, our old boss our old boss <laughs> that's what I was talking about um but oops yeah I don't know uh it can work out sometimes yeah. so yeah send us your stories we'd love to hear them please. if you've ever had a forbidden uh love affair we want to know about it we absolutely do and I promise that we don't think all love ends tragically and horribly. There was a theme running with the story. Forbidden love is so much fun. So toxic. I know. And this show is kind of supposed to be... Uh, about tailored. healing. Yeah, towards heartbreak. So <laughs> nobody wants to hear about happy love stories. Oh, uh, no. We'll do something like that. Someday. Not okay. now. <laughs> Jenna, do you have a vibe check? No, I don't. <laughs> well, I have a vibe check. And I will buy you some time while you find your vibe check. So, ladies and gentlemen, I am a huge fan of uh, uh, LGBTQ plus uh, music icon, drag queen extraordinaire Trixie Mattel, and this angel wrote a country love song called Jesse Jesse, and this love song is entirely about Jesse Eisenberg, and it's just a ballad to him, and if you aren't listening to it right now, just based on my description... I'm begging you. It's on Spotify. Support Trixie. Get her album. It's so good. Jenna, I can't buy you any more time. <laughs> um, it's going to be Circle the Drain by Soccer Mommy. So if you Ooh. haven't listened to Soccer Mommy, go do it. She's a great um, artist. Ooh. So that's all I've got to say about it. Nice. Uh, that song is really depressing. So, <laughs> Jenna, are you okay? <laughs> I've been better. All right. <laughs> it's been a rough week. It's a weird time, but... This we'll quarantine is hard on everybody, and just as a, like, little side note, um, this, it really, truly is very hard on everybody, and I promise you that both Jenna and I have also been feeling the, like, pressure of quarantine, and just all the unfortunate stuff that's going on, and I promise the podcast isn't going to turn into just a Corona Watch 2020, but just know that we're thinking about you guys, we want good vibes for everybody, and we just hope that the podcast can at least help spread a little bit of joy in this time. I know we just talked about, like, syphilis and death and forbidden love. Drinking poison. (laughs) Underage. Um, But reach out for us if you want some sunshine in your life. Yeah, we promise we'll we'll fake it. (laughs) But really, guys, we're so excited to be back. We're excited to get these back out to you guys. Jenna, Um, anything else? We love you. Love you. All right. Bye. Bye.